You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 49 of Aging Starts Now. I'm your host, Tim Takis, and today we're talking about caregiving and the workplace. How do families balance work and caring for an elderly loved one? Joining us in the conversation is our own Deborah King, an elder care coordinator here at Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law. Welcome, Deborah. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Good. Thank you. So let's just jump right in on this. Um, What's the problem here? You know, how do caregivers balance their responsibilities at work to with uh, balancing their obligations to their elderly loved ones at home? Well, it's a challenge and it depends on where things are during in the process. Um, but we know that caregivers, caregiving is not a 5 to 10 p.m. job. It, it, things happen at all times of the day. Um, dealing with issues for their elderly loved ones uh, sometimes have to be done between the 8 and 5 hours because that's when the services are open or available. And so... Um, We know from studies that have been done that people who are providing caregiving, whether it's for an elderly loved one, for a spouse with dementia, for a child or a special needs child, that um, they can spend quite amount of time at work trying to manage their caregiving role as well. There's, it's estimated that um, productivity can be affected by as much as 25%, depending on what's going on. So it's, it's an issue that affects families, it affects employers, it affects coworkers. So what should uh, employees, or I should say maybe the caregivers, you know, you're working in a job and you're trying to balance, uh, you know, I'm worried about mom at home and, you know, and I'm doing my job. So what, what should these employees expect or ask anything, you know, from their employers to, to help them? Yeah. Um, well, I, I do think it's important that they share to some degree with their at least immediate supervisor, that there are issues so that when unexpected crises occur, they can um, have the time to manage those and they can share with their supervisor what the supervisor can expect from them. Um, If caregiving becomes extensive Um, or there is a crisis, the employee should look at uh, whether they're eligible for family medical leave assistance um, to to protect their job, to protect their position. Um, Family FMLA doesn't always provide 
reimbursement. You can take the time off, but it doesn't mean your employer has to pay you, but at least it does protect your position. Um, they need to know what FMLA is allowed. Um, does their employer offer it? Um, yeah. There's intermittent FMLA if they just have to take off every month or so for doctor's appointments. So what other ways can employers assist caregivers? Besides offering maybe family medical leave or, you know, or maybe even, you know, certainly I, or the, the base thing is, is that hopefully you'll have an employer that is empathetic or sympathetic to the concerns of the employee. That That's a hopeful. It's not always the case. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with several situations where people's caregivers' jobs were jeopardized because they were having to take off to manage their their loved one's situation or they were taking time during the day to make phone calls or schedule doctor's appointments or follow up on prescriptions. So um, if their employer is um, able and, and willing to make those adjustments as a caregiver, offering what you can. Can you fill in during lunch hours? Can you pick up extra shifts? Um, how can you best manage your position? Do you need to look for a different position for a while if caregiving is becoming overwhelming? Um, for caregivers, it's extremely stressful because they carry all these worries and they carry all these guilt because they're pulled in 27 different directions. They, they feel like they're responsible for making sure that their loved one is getting what they need, that um, accidents are being avoided, that doctor's appointments are being kept. They also feel a responsibility to their employer that they're doing their job, um, to their coworkers that they're pulling their weight. They're not, you know, taking off and other People are having to pick up the slack for them. So, so there's a lot of feelings involved and in, in totally recommend that they find a support group. Um, sometimes employers can even offer those groups if it's a big enough com company um, to offer the support or use uh, employee assistance programs to, to deal with the feelings related to caregiving, the guilt, the stress, the sadness that things aren't like they used to be. Yeah, I'm looking at our website, Deb, and, um, and we did a blog post um, in um, December. Uh-huh. Um, let's see, was it last? Yeah, it was December, December 2019, obviously, yep. unfortunately, or maybe yep. just before the pandemic. Um, you know, and we'll obviously we'll ask, uh, you know, invite our, our listeners to uh, to look on our website for but mention the employee assistance program about mm -hmm. emotional support, maybe having a toll-free number mm -hmm. uh, that might be available, maybe particular, like you say, for, particularly for larger organizations that maybe have a human resources agency, you know, or human resources department, human relations department, or employee relations department. Um, I noticed also about hosting education and training sessions. Absolutely. Um, 
pulling people together and offering information about resources in the community to help them, um, educating them about Alzheimer's disease, the early stages, the late stages, the services in the communities that are available to help them. Um, I know I've done several of those for a number of organizations in, in the area, and they're always well-received um, because so many people are actually providing this care. Um, maybe their coworkers don't even know that, but just to know what resources are out there, that there's um, support services, there's financial services, there's healthcare aid services, um, placement services that are available to help them. Yeah, and I would say also that uh, I would not, uh, if, if you're, if, if you, for the person that's in the situation, you know, that you're a, you're a caregiver for an older adult, um, don't, don't overlook the, um, the impact that your, um, your, your caregiving has on your employer. Um, if you're obviously, if you, you know, if you're a good employee, um, you know, and your, your employer has a, you know, a, let's say a larger employer and it's a, you know, has a, a large human relations department. Um, you know, they want you, you know, employers want you to, um, to be successful in your job and being successful in your job also means that you're, you know, that if you have crises or concerns at home, you know, they want to make sure that, um, uh, that you have the resources available so that you can continue to be a good employee. So I'm seeing here like some of the ones that, uh, the, that some of the tips that we have is offering pamphlets, books, and other information sources on site that people can bring home to read. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If you're a large, you know, if you're in a large company, you're not likely to be the only person that is a caregiver for an older adult. Well, even in smaller companies, as we've seen here, Tim, many of us are at the age where we're providing care support for our, our parents or other loved ones. And um, being cognizant of that, being sensitive to those needs, um, you know, providing the ability to get things done if an emergency comes up or to make plans for regularly scheduled uh, appointments and I mean I think that's a that's a really good tip you know you just look around the room at your co you know your you know your coworkers and if you're in your 40 you know any of them are in your 40s or 50s there's a very good likelihood that they're a caregiver for an older adult right and you know some of that when when I taught started talking about it depends um, some of that starts very early where what do we hear um, the child is calling mom every morning on their way to work or they're stopping by on their way home to help fix supper or make sure there's groceries there or pick up medications and things. And, and so very early on, they're starting those tasks, those chores to check in and make sure that um, their loved one is getting what they need and, and are okay. Um, but we know that 
a lot of times those activities can escalate sometimes very quickly when there's an acute illness or a crisis and and it becomes more than just the before and after work but you know now it's doctor's appointments now it's rehab and follow up there and then you put covid on top of it and it becomes even more complex <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. And I would say any employers that are listening to this podcast is, you know, is to think about, um, you know, that you, that you, that this issue is in your workplace. Yes. Um, you know, and, uh, hopefully you're a good employer and what you want to be is you want to be out in front of it and not always reacting to it. Right. Right. Consider, um, you know, offering, you know, I think Deb, you mentioned like, um, you know, opportunities for uh, your employees to um, uh, have time off um, if they need it to, um, you know, have maybe, um, you know, some support groups or education and training sessions. um, Flexible work hours if they need it. You know, maybe they need to come in a little late to manage a doctor's appointment or maybe they need to work through lunch so they can leave early to you know, get home to swap out care. Um, but, you know, the to reckon, I think employers just recognizing how significant this is. I mean, the statistics indicate that there's 65 million people in this country that are providing care in one way or another to a family member. So um, that's, that's a lot of people. That is a lot of people. That is a lot of people. So what resources are out there that are available to working caregivers? Who, who can they reach out to for help? Um, well, there's a lot of um, online support. Um, and, and sometimes that's the easiest because they don't have time to go to support groups. or um, But there's a lot of information online. You want to make sure that it's good, solid information. Um, a lot of it is related to to a, a disease process. So if you have arthritis, if your loved one has Alzheimer's or a dementia disease, if they have Parkinson's disease, um, those associations have a lot of resources, not just for the person dealing with the illness, but for the caregivers. Um, educating yourself about the disease process so you kind of know what to expect. Um, becoming familiar with the resources in the community. Um, knowing um, who's providing care, who's providing good care, um, and and figuring out how to get that. Um, There's care managers um, in the community. There's um, placement services if it gets to that point. Um, so using the internet, using, finding people, finding your church, a lot of times churches are reaching out and identifying, um, and helping caregivers. So that, uh, that may be a source of support and information. Yeah. I was just thinking about, you know, we've been recently contacted by a, uh, you know, a family that's in a rural area, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, they, they don't have a lot of necessarily services, uh, meaning paid services, you're not uh-huh. you know, find a lot of geriatric care managers that are in the, you know, the middle of nowhere in Tennessee, but there right. are, as you mentioned, um, you know, there are churches, you know, there are other organizations, um, 
you know, there are community centers uh, and all of those, you know, that if you just like, you know, start, you know, get, getting out of, you know, getting out there, you know, and reaching out and, and asking for help and you're likely to find it. Especially in rural areas, but uh, metro areas as well, there's the Area Agency for Aging and Disability, uh, what we short called AAAD. But it's the Area Agency on Aging and Disability is a federally funded program that covers all regions and all areas. Um, typically, there's a regional office um, that they cover an area. There's a Middle Tennessee office. There's a Cumberland office. Mm -hmm. Um, And contacting those um, for your loved ones to find out sometimes they're the repository for the services or the resources. Um, And they certainly have very knowledgeable people in those agencies. And they often will be the ones to provide the, the information and referrals and resources to people. Yeah. And I, you know, and we, we haven't even touched on right now in, in this podcast because there's so much, even things like adult day services. I mean, mm-hmm. we have people that have, I think we may have done podcasts on this before where we've had people that, okay, mom and dad, you know, they drop them off at an adult day services and they spend the day there, or their mm-hmm. loved one does. And, you know, they come back and they pick them at, you know, they pick them up at home. You know, does it cost money? In some cases, it, is it, it does. But there's uh, resources out there as well that can help cover that mm-hmm. cost. Um, so finding out um, those agencies would know what the resources are. And I, th- I think that's an important key for caregivers is to know you're not in this alone and, mm-hmm. and to reach out for help um, as you said, before you need it, know who your support services are. Um, We're always worried about the caregivers because what if something happens to the person who's responsible for providing care? You know, the the whole building falls apart. So Mm -hmm. um, building that network around you that there's other people that can step in if they need to. Um, You're not in this alone. Um, There's services out there that you can reach out to to help. Um, in in the event of a crisis or an emergency, yeah, you know, and of course, you know, we you know, we are in the middle of a pandemic, or at some point in this, I shouldn't say the middle because who knows where we are. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we we just know, you know, we've had, you know, we've just been in this in this since March of 2020. So All right and here uh, we are, January 2021. Yeah, exactly, and you know, it it may be a challenge, but there's still, you know, there's still help. Out, help out there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, all right. I think that's it. Um, Deb, thanks for the, um, thanks for joining us in our uh, conversation about caregiving in the workplace. And for all of you out there, please tune in next week for another episode of Aging Starts Now. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com? Document downloads, the Tagus McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. 
we would love your feedback on the show. Aging starts now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness.